Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Dr. Klaus Dieter John, who is the director and founder of Hospital Diospi Suyana in Peru. And uh, he's uh, from Germany. He's got a wonderful testimony. We're going to hear a bit of his story today. Uh, welcome along. Tell us a bit about where you were born and raised. I was born in Wiesbaden. That's a city very close to Frankfurt in 1960. And also my wife is from Wiesbaden. I grew up in a Christian home, but for me, faith has always been very difficult. It took me a long time to to come to really to make a decision. And what kind of church were you a part of as a young fellow? Well, I grew up in a Baptist church. My father's relatives went to a very conservative Brethren church and uh, my mum's brother was the leader of a Pentecostal church. So I got the whole spectrum as a teenager. <laughs> and did you follow the Lord through all your younger years or was there a time you strayed away from the Lord? Well, I grew up in the church reading my children's Bible at night. However, uh, many of my friends were atheists, agnostics, didn't go to church. Uh, Christianity, well, that's for the oddballs in Germany. Only uh, 4% go to any church. And um, I always wondered if faith is real or just imagination, an illusion. And uh, my whole life was around this question, is it for real or not? Is there any hope or not? Mm. And tell us sort of about your early career. Uh, what kind of work did you do after school and, and study? I went to medical school, Mainz University. Later on, I studied uh, at various places in the United States. And I worked as a doctor, as a resident with my wife in Great Britain, in South Africa, um, in America, and also in Germany. But uh, when I met my high school sweetheart, Tina, 41 years ago, it was clear that both had the same vision. We want to go to medical school in order to serve as doctors in a third world setting, lifelong. And tell us a little bit about your career as a doctor. Uh, has there been lots of ethical and moral issues you've had to wrestle with as a Christian, uh, in, as a GP? Well, I'm a general surgeon, mm-hmm. so I was trained mostly at university hospitals. I had no ethical problems. Um, it's just at um, a government hospital, it's not that easy to talk about faith with your patients. Um, later on, we, we served uh, for five years at a mission hospital in Ecuador, and we founded the, the Diospiciana Hospital, and this is, well, most patients are non-Christians, really, but we speak very openly. We have a church service every morning. We have celebrated over the past 12 years 3,000 church services, and we reached, in our hospital setting, half a million people by now. Wow. So tell us a bit about this incredible mission in Peru. How did it all start? Well, we visited Peru as backpackers, my wife and myself, in 91. And when we saw you in misery in the mountains of Peru among the Quechua people, now the Quechua people are the descent of the ancient Incas, we said, let's come back, build a modern hospital for these people, a hospital just as nice as the one in Brisbane or Sydney with modern technology for people that never can afford a treatment like this. 
and it came about through a string of miracles and uh, God, God provided the whole thing from start to finish it was a, a chain of events that nobody can explain unless you say yes God exists and I understand that you've seen many miracles uh, in this hospital. Tell us a bit of the, uh, you know, what God's been doing in there. Yes, I, I published two books. I'm writing the third book, and it's extremely detailed, documented, um, and it shows, gives evidence even to non-Christians that uh, peop- things happen that can't, they can't explain just by, by chance events or with hard work or psychology, whatever. Just to give one example, in 2005. We looked for a civil engineer, somebody willing to come to Peru mm-hmm. to supervise construction as a consulting partner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody hardworking, healthy. He has to work for a long time for us, but free of charge. No money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we looked uh, f- for somebody like th- with these characteristics. No luck. And then it happened. I was in Wiesbaden together with a lawyer and we went through a legal document. And this uh, lawyer said, well, Dr. Klaus, um, uh, also a ma- member of a Christian group, it, supporting an orphanage in Sao Paulo, Brazil, street children, and one of us used to work as a civil engineer. And I said, wow, what is his name? Udo Clemens. Do you happen to have his telephone number with you? He got me the number. I interrupted our meeting to make an instant phone call to Mr. Clemens. said, Mr. Clemens, we're calling from Wiesbaden. My wife and I, we want to build a hospital in Peru. Um, and as terms, we are straightforward. We are not wasting any time. Almost Root, can you run the show as a civil engineer a year or two, whatever it takes, but not pay anything? And I called him. Now, he had been sitting at home with his wife for three days praying, God, please give us a special purpose for life. That morning, they'd been together three hours in the kitchen, and then they prayed. And they said, Amen, and the phone rang. It was me. And Udo Clemens, well, he came to Peru in 2005. He has been building the hospital, the dental clinic, eye clinic, a school, Many things, he has been with us 10 years. Mm. We haven't paid him a penny. Mm. So we was at home for three days praying, God, is there anything you want us doing? And I didn't know him at all. I was in another city. And I called him just the minute when they stopped praying. And I'm curious to know about your books. Tell us about your first one that you released. Well, the, the first book has the strange title, I Have Seen God. Very strange title. <laughs> but what I want to say is I've seen God in action. God became visible in that story and um, that happened because for me, as I mentioned earlier, life, faith has always been difficult. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see. I wanted to know, not just believing something. And one night, many, many years ago, I was out in November, ice cold, like today in Brisbane, (laughs) in colder and dark. And I was shouting, God, where are you? I want to see you. And 20 years later, when I published the first book, I use this title, no, I have seen God. God mm. became visible to us and to many people who have read the story. And then the second book is called God Has Seen Us. Tell us how that one came about. Well, it's number two, God Has Seen Us. And, um, well, many stories that we went through, mm. miracles we have seen uh, over the past years. It's um, uh, book, well, it's number one, number two, it's one story. Mm-hmm. And um, it claims that there's a God in the universe who can see us. Mm-hmm. Because if Richard Dawkins is right, who wrote the book The God Illusion, the universe is big, empty, dark, cold, and no purpose. Mm-hmm. And my life has no purpose. Mm-hmm. But if 
the Bible is right, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, he loves me. Yeah. God has seen me. Mm. He knows me. He, he can see me among eight billion people. There's Klaus, little Klaus <laughs> running around now in Brisbane. <laughs> so there's hope. Mm. And um, the third book I'm writing, the title will be Walking on the Water. And I think I noticed on one of your books you had Dr. John Lennox uh, write yes. a comment. How did you connect with him? He's one of my heroes. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know his books. He's great. In my opinion, he's one of the best Christian apolo- apologetics these days. Mm. Uh, I, I went to see him in Oxford, and Lion Hutton, the, the publisher, is also based in Oxford, mm-hmm. and we spent three um, hours together. Wow. He saw my whole presentation, one hour, not just in 50 minutes, <laughs> this morning, and um, he, he wrote in his um, little, well, he said, it gives evidence, the story of Dios Pisciana, that God is real. Mm. The Bible claims that we can have a personal relationship, and how can you prove this? But this story gives a lot of evidence. Mm. We never can prove that there's God, mm. but we can accumulate evidence so much that people have to say, okay, well, we have to take this claim for serious. There's an, a divine power that has been active in this story. Now, I also understand you have a media center. Tell us about that. We started three years ago mm-hmm. with the Christian Media Center. It's a 24-hour program, radio and uh, also television, our district. With our radio channels, we are reaching now hundreds of thousands of people in the south of Peru in five different states. And the, the idea is to grow. We signed a contract with Intelsat in Miami. So we linked up to a satellite and an Australian expert, Chris Welsh from the Life Source Church in Sydney, has been with us for three years. And he does all the satellite uplinking for us, yeah? Mm-hmm. So he arranged my tour now through mm-hmm. Australia. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, his story, he should write his own books, what mm-hmm. he has seen God doing in his life. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And I also understand you have a school and a kids' club. Uh, tell us a bit about that uh, part of the ministry. The kids' club is our uh, oldest ministry. We started the first uh, kids' club uh, group in um, November 2005, and it was actually founded by Australian missionary Lyndall Maxwell from Tuvomba, next door, basically, mm-hmm. and my wife. Uh, the first club, 25 boys and girls, Bible stories, Christian songs, crafts and sports, you know, like, like the boys' club, the brownies, mm-hmm. as they say. Mm-hmm. And then it became too small. We had to found more clubs, and now we have 12 clubs running. And every week, Monday to Friday, up to 400 boys and girls meet, and they feel loved and, mm-hmm. and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm also curious to ask your thoughts uh, as a general surgeon. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the abortion debate in Australia has been a very big topic. And there's lots of pro-life Christians that are standing up. Um, but there are some Christians and some people that just don't care. They think it's just a fetus. Um, you can abort a child at whatever age and it's no big deal, you know. We know the Word of God says... I knew you before I formed you in my mother's womb. So God is active in creation of every human being and every life is precious. Uh, from a, a general surgeon's point of view and someone who's studied medicine, um, what's, what's your view and what's your advice about how we can speak up for life uh, in, uh, in Australia? Well, there are two things I'd like to mention. Number one, for 2,500 years, doctors around the world have sworn the Hippocratic Oath. It comes from the Greek philosophy, but has been the guideline for the practice of medicine for 2,500 years. Mm. And in it, it says clear-cut that a doctor should never ever um, 
conduct an abortion. Mm. Even I, I think it was in South Africa, I had to swear this oath. Mm. So, you know, sometimes you, when people are against abortion, they say, oh, you're a religious fanatic. No, actually, in the Greek world, for 2,000 years, it was clear-cut, it was unethical mm. to commit an, uh, to do an abortion. This is number one. But number two, my wife is a, a pediatrician, and she did a lot of neonatology. And uh, when we were working in Wales, in Cardiff, for one year in back in 88, 89, uh, she met a, a resident, a SHO, SHO mm-hmm. uh, not sure what the use is to me, in Australia, mm-hmm. one night at, at the hospital cafeteria. And um, my wife said, well, we're just struggling on the neonatal ICU to keep a baby, a newborn well, a premature baby alive. It was born 24, hour, 24 weeks of gestation. And the gynecologist of the SHO said, and they asked me now to do an abortion on the 24-year-old. Um, so here we are wasting, investing hundreds of thousands of money to keep a premature alive. And next door, the operating theater, they do an, did an abortion on the 24, 25 mm. Weeks of gestation, it, it doesn't make sense mm. to nobody. Mm. Yeah. And um, as doctors, we always want to save lives. We want to help the catch-up people, the elderly, the children. My wife is a pediatrician, but we, we don't do abortions at our hospital. Nobody is allowed to. Mm. This is clear-cut mm. because we, we are com- it's unethical. Mm. And t- not just from the Christian standpoint, also from the Greek philosoph- mm. philosophical standpoint. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear um, your expert advice on that. Uh, the other big topic is uh, gender dysphoria. Uh, people that have, uh, you know, and, and gender fluidity is the, is the latest buzzword where you can choose what sex you are depending on how you're feeling and you can go to whichever toilet you want, men's or female toilets, and it's a big topic. And, you know, since the same-sex marriage law came into Australia, um, it's been really a slippery slope. There's been so much more talk about it. Um, what, what's your view on that as a as a doctor? As a Christian, mm. the Bible says that God created man and uh, and female. Mm. Yeah, mm. and this has been the concept in this universe now for thousands of years. Mm. I don't want to mess up around about this system. Mm. It's a good system. Mm. Now, if I came along as an evolutionist and would say, there's no God in heaven, it's just every chance, it it wouldn't make sense either because, well, you need a, a, a male and female to, to match and then to have uh, uh, children. Mm. I mean, for the evolutionists, it doesn't make sense that you have different sexes and mm. genders. So, as far as I'm concerned, we have to treat everybody with respect, mm. no matter what his religious uh, uh, sexual inclina- inclinations are. Mm. But for society, it makes a lot of sense to have husband and wife and children. And this is, it, it's a, has been the basis for any society. Mm. If you change this, you will, will see in the future that society will disintegrate. Well, it's wonderful to hear your view on that uh, as an expert. And I know that uh, you are very passionate about your work and about uh, your work in the kingdom as well. Well, we pray for the Lord's blessing on you and the wonderful work you do. So how do you pronounce uh, the Dios, Diospiciana Hospital? Exactly. Yeah. Diospiciana is a Quechua expression. Now, the Quechua, the descent of the ancient Incas. Ah. Yeah, Machu Picchu. The Incas, yeah? Uh-huh. So, okay. And it means, really, it's an expression of our faith in God, and it means the place we were waiting f- 
on for, for God to to act or where God is acting mm. in the place where you're trusting God. That's what it means. Wonderful. So if people would like to support, uh, of course, they can uh, search up uh, and find more info at the website. Diospi-suyana.org is the website. And uh, if you Google search Dr. Klaus Dieter John uh, in Peru, you, I'm sure you'll find all the details. There's some great YouTube clips I've watched and it's inspirational to, uh, to hear what the Lord is doing through your ministry. Dr. Klaus, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater. And my challenge to you now is to go and make history. History Makers. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.